0: Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. Today we're talking to you if you're a lawyer. So if you are in the practice of law and you want to streamline your practice, you want to, well, you wanna do what we talk about here on the show all the time. You wanna make a great living and live a great life. I've got just the guy for you to meet because he's done it for himself and he helps other lawyers all over the country do it day in and day out. My guest today is John Cormanic. And he's a lawyer coach, and he's going to share with us his journey to becoming a lawyer coach. He, he was a practicing lawyer until recently, and now he helps other people live the lifestyle they deserve while running their own law firm or building their own book of business. And he's going to share with you some of his thoughts on how you can do that, too. Now, if you're not a lawyer and you're a professional... Anytime you hear the word lawyer, hear the word attorney, just substitute whatever it is your profession is in, whatever your profession is, substitute that word for lawyer. And guess what? This stuff will work exactly, perfectly for you because the practice of law is no different from, and lawyers, I know you hate hearing this, no different from the practice of accounting, no different from running a consulting business, no different from running an architecture firm, but... Because you're so unique and you're so special, we've brought John Cormanic here today and he's going to coach you up on how you can make a great living and live a great life. So please join me in welcoming John to the Inside BS Show. John, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, Dave, thank you so much. You hit the nail right on the head. Lawyers out there, you're not unicorns. Get over it. You're just not.
0: (laughs) So, John, take us through your take us through your journey so that, you know, I know that you have tremendous credibility in this space, but help the people who are listening, the people who are watching, help them understand that you feel their pain. Right. You've been through what they're going through right now. Explain that to folks. How did you get to where you are right now? And now, once again, it's time for the Sandrowski Business Minute is our friend, John Alfonsi. So, John, what is a hedge fund?
2: Good question, Dave. So a hedge fund is an alternative investment vehicle, typically structured as a partnership. But it manages, it's an actively managed vehicle, uh, publicly traded stocks. But unlike a mutual fund, it's not restricted to a particular trading or investment strategy. So they can short sell. They can go long. They can invest in private. It's going to beat the market or have less risk if it's a diversified fund of funds. But they're typically only available to high net worth individuals, accredited investors. Um, There's limitations on liquidity or on distribution. So if you need liquid assets, unlike a mutual fund, it's not something that you can sell and get your cash in three days. Uh, typically, there's restrictions on when you can request distributions or partial liquidations. But the idea is it's a privately managed vehicle that's going to provide superior returns, albeit at a typically higher cost than other publicly traded alternatives.
0: So, John, what does Sandrowski Corporate Advisors do with hedge funds?
2: We've provided tax consulting and compliance services for hedge funds, but we deal a lot with hedge fund investors. So part of the due diligence of scoping out whether or not a particular hedge fund is a good investment or meets the criteria of the particular investor. Um, So we're we're specialists in partnership taxation. So we understand those roles and make sure that However, the allocation scheme works, the carry that goes to the uh, hedge fund manager all makes sense for the investor.
0: If someone out there who's listening or watching has a question about a hedge fund investment or they have a question about the valuation of their business, which is going to be acquired by a hedge fund, how can they get in touch with you, John?
2: You can contact us at our toll-free number, 866-717-1607, or contact me via email at jta at sensel, All
0: right, John, thank you for today's Sandrowski Business Minute. Remember, folks, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they're a CPA firm with a different perspective.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Listen, I didn't go to law school right off the bat. I was in healthcare for over a decade, I was a respiratory therapist, and when I was 35, was married, I had a two-year-old, I had a house, I had a mortgage, I had a dog, I had a lawn to take care of, I decided it was a great time to go to law school. So I did that, and actually that's when I began coaching people. Because I was 35 years old when I went to law school, I had a totally different take on what it took to be successful. I was there at 7 o'clock in the morning, I left at 5 o'clock at night. I was a dad, I was a husband, and I did quite well. Uh, I did well enough to be asked to clerk at the Idaho Court of Appeals here in Boise, Idaho. I went to law school in California, so I was not a local kid being asked to clerk, I uh, was an outsider. So I came to Boise, clerked at the Idaho Court of Appeals for two years, worked in government at the Idaho Attorney General's office for three years. Then worked at a law firm with eleven other partners, and then opened my own shop uh, with two other partners in 2006, and ran that actually right up until just a few months ago when I transitioned finally full time into coaching uh, my brothers and sisters of the bar.
0: So, John, you know one of the things I uh, I find. Um, fascinating, and it's not, uh, it's, not because it, it makes, it, it's because it makes sense to me, is that I find that second career lawyers often far, uh, do, do far better than their counterparts who all they know is being a lawyer. Why do you think it is that people who enter the practice of law as a second career, why do you think it is that they often succeed where other folks struggle?
1: I think it has to do with experiencing life, um, You know, whether, whether you're an entrepreneur before you go to law school or like myself, I was in healthcare. But I supervised 40 people at the end of my tenure. I think having some life experience prior to going to law school is, is critical because law school does an excellent job of preparing you to pass a bar exam. It does a terrible job. In teaching you how to have a successful practice that supports the life you want to live.
0: So when it comes to um, when it comes to the practice of law, where you know where where do you wh- where's the first place we can go to bridge that gap between law, the the academic ideals, and the business realities, right? Where's the first place that you would look as somebody who's coaching lawyers to bridge that gap? I think the first place that I look is internally.
1: What does the lawyer want for their life, right? Because unless you do that work, unless you do that internal, reflective, oftentimes uncomfortable work, you're just going to be on the hamster wheel, and you're never going to get to where you want to go. You know, there's a there's a saying out there, you know, um, I think it was Jim Rohn, you know, if you don't plan your life, someone else will plan it for you. That's where the trap is. So the first place I look is internally. I do this with all my clients. Hey, where do you want to be in 20
0: years in your life? We'll get to your law practice. Where do you want to be in your life? Why is it so hard for lawyers to to recognize that Sure. The practice of law is a profession, but it's what you do to enable the rest of your life. Right. (laughs) Like you're you're not you're a lawyer. Yes. But you're also a dad. You're also a husband. You're also a friend. You're a brother. You're a sister. You're a mother, your father, whatever. So, you know, why is it like I I find it particularly, um, you know, particularly difficult for lawyers to separate that they really define themselves by, by what they do. I mean, has that, has that been your experience and what do you do when you have a client who can't, who can't, you know, answer the question that you pose to them because they're just so wrapped up in I'm a tax lawyer, so wrapped up in I'm a litigator, right? They live and die with the next case. How do you, how do you snap them out of it? Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you lined up a hundred lawyers and asked them,
1: who are they? Uh, 98, maybe even 99, would say, I'm a lawyer. That was never the first thing that came out of my mouth. The law was what I did to be able to achieve the goals in my life, to have a happy family, to have a good life, things like that. How do you break people out of it? You have them stop, quite frankly, because lawyers... A lot of lawyers are uncomfortable in the quiet, in the stopping, in the pause. And when I have them stop, they they don't know what to do. And that's fine. That's why I'm there with them. That's why I stand next to them. Um, so I think breaking the breaking the cycle, breaking that mindset revolves a lot around just just putting on the brakes and picking your eyes up off the paper and looking out at the horizon.
0: So, let's talk a little bit about uh, let's uh, you know. There's there's two topics that always come up when when I talk to people who, who work with lawyers, and the first is lawyers and money, and the second is lawyers and mental health. And I think you know, in in a lot of ways, they're tied together, right? So you graduate from law school, and you're you know they they push you out into the world. And if you're if you're fortunate enough to work at a big firm, you, you're going to get a paycheck. If you're not fortunate enough to work at a big firm, you got to figure out how to how to go make money. What can we what can we tell anybody who's listening, who's maybe uh, in law school or you know who's working a job as they're going through law school or who's waiting to take the bar, or who just passed the bar? What can we tell them about? money in the practice of law that can that can put them in the right in the right mindset because i meet a lot of lawyers who like you know they just money is a big is a big issue for them because you know they focus on basically ad hoc work they have a case that case is done they got to go find another case so what can we tell lawyers who are who are concerned about money whether they're start just starting out or they're 10 years in what can we tell them uh about money that can that can kind of Get them focused on the right track.
1: The first thing I would say is I graduated law school with more than six figures in debt. I do not live an Instagram life, okay? That's not what I'm about. And I owned a law firm while I was still significantly in debt. So I understand the, I need to get the client. I need to get the client. I need to get the client. What I'm here to tell you is that you are much better served, financially speaking, when you don't take every client, when you stop and you define who your ideal clients are. I can also tell you that thinking that any client who can pay you is the ideal is outrageous. A client who can pay you is the price of admission. That is not an ideal client. That's a client who you will potentially talk to. Picking your ideal clients is super important. The the fewer you have of those people, the more money you're actually going to wind up making, whether it's gross or, more importantly, net. 20% of your clients can create 80% of your revenue and... 20% 20% of bad clients will create 80% of your headaches and eat into your bottom line. So identifying your ideal client is key at the front end coming from a place of abundance and not scarcity.
0: So John, when when it comes to when it comes to money the uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit. Let's get let, get down into the weeds and talk a little bit about billing. Right. One of the things that I see all the time is that attorneys are they, they're you know they're they've got a lot of work, but they have no cash. And then I ask them if I can you know if I can look at their books, and they go, "What do you mean?" Right. So <laughs> explain the explain the foundational need for having a system that actually you know, allows you to get your invoices out the door, get the bills paid to to make sure that you have a going concern, to make sure that your business can continue to operate. You know, they don't teach you this in law school. So it's helpful if we, if we cover this now here, talk about the importance of having that system and give us a, a sense for how to get that, how to get that going, where to, where to go to get that set up.
1: Yeah. First and foremost, I'm going to loop back to your introduction, as any good litigator would. If you're an attorney, you own a business, period, full stop. To think anything else, to think a law firm is not a business, is a recipe for disaster and failure. So, you own a business. The business is in place to make money. That's just the truth. You must get bills out on time. You must do that in order to have a going concern. Otherwise, it's just a hobby. And you didn't go six figures into debt for a hobby. That's just not what you did. So the first thing is mindset. I own a business. The second thing is developing a system to get bills out on time. What what does that entail for you? Does it entail a bookkeeper that you hire who keeps you accountable? Okay, is, is your time in, <laughs> right? If you're going to bill on an hourly basis, you must put your time in. And that, listen, my former law partner struggled with that all the time. He struggled with putting, putting his time in. And he would wait for a week, two weeks, pretty soon it was the end of the month, He's losing money because he doesn't capture everything. So, recognize that you're in a business. Number two, create a system to get your time in. If it's real time, that's ideal. There are software platforms out there that allow you to do it. If it's not real time, it must be every day. Your day is not done until your time is in. And get your bills out. The other thing that I would say is that there is a way to find free money in your billing. And here's what I mean. Chances are, if you and I were to have a conversation, I would tell you that you're underpriced. You're underpriced for the value that you bring in the work that you do. And so the free money I talk about is raising your price. Raise your hourly rate. If you're billing by the hour, if you're billing on a flat fee, you have to do the analysis of is your flat fee at the break-even point or a little bit above the break-even point. That's where you want to be. If you haven't done that any of that analysis and you just go with your gut, your gut's going to tell you that you're not worth it. You're nothing special. And that gets in the way of you billing what you're,
0: Qualified to bill
1: and making the money that you should
0: be making. Yeah. You know, I, 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 the thing that I tell lawyers all the time is the first time they get up the nerve to raise their rates or to raise a flat fee, if they're going on a flat fee basis, the first time they do it, they have this trepidation. And then the first time the client says yes, they have this sinking feeling in their gut that they should have been charging that all along. Yeah. so either right. way I raise either it enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> you know there's only only three ways to make money in uh in a in a professional services firm right it's uh more work deeper relationship with a client or raise your rates that's it go find new work more work uh new work deeper relationship with a client more work from the same client versus more work from a So, John, let's talk a little bit about great great uh, kind of jumping off point about money. Let's talk a little bit of, of more about mental health now and why there's such a mental health crisis in the practice of law. I mean, I, um, I was reminiscing with a, with a friend um, early last weekend and he and I were sitting there and we were thinking, we've known each other for 15 years in, in the market that I'm in now in Miami and we know seven people who have unfortunately in the practice of law who've committed suicide in the last 15 years in in the South Florida legal market. We you know we uh, we were friends with them. We went to the funerals. Three of them were, were clients of mine. So let's start with why why is there such a mental health crisis in the practice of law, and what can we do about it? Here's the
1: disclaimer. I am mm-hmm. not a mental health counselor. Oh, no, nor nor ha, nor am I. Nobody <laughs> nobody wants
0: mental health. Believe me, you don't want mental health advice it's... from me. Yeah, <laughs> trust me on that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it stems from the disconnect with the dream that every single lawyer has before they cross the threshold of law school the first time. We have a dream of what impact we're going to make and what our lives are gonna be like on the other side. And then we go to law school, and then we're thrown out into the world and have to run a business, whether you, even even if you go and join a big firm, you have a practice, things are expected of you, you have to run a business that you have no idea how to run. And so you lose connection with your dream, um, I think that has a lot to do with it. I also think the fact that law schools in general um, are, don't prepare us well to be out in the world. I know that, I think it's at the University of Miami, actually. There is a professor there, a law school professor, who does mindfulness work with his lawyers, with his students lawyers when i talk with them about mindfulness will look at me like i've got three heads you know john listen i've got all these cases i've got trials coming up and you want me to breathe what are you talking about man it's not that it it's not just to breathe it is to stay connected with who you are and what you want in life so that it takes care of some of those mental health issues if you're if you're struggling out there with a mental health issue, go and see a professional. The numbers are abhorrent, right? The Betty Ford ABA study from 2016, which I quote all the time, talks about there's 21% of lawyers are, are problem drinkers. And that number is low. The actual study itself said it was between 21 and 36%. That number is low. 28% of lawyers suffer from depression. Or anxiety we're ill prepared and we think we need to have all the answers and because we think that we don't seek help we don't team up with other people and we wind up being very isolated I think those are some of the reasons for the mental health crisis
0: yeah I think you're right and there are every every state bar uh, has has resources available Uh, Most of the voluntary bar associations can connect you with resources that are available. I can connect you with resources that are available. John can connect you with resources that are available. And it might be better for you if you're listening, if you're watching, to call somebody like me who you don't know and say, Dave, I think I have a mental health issue. Can you connect me with somebody who can help me? Because you're not asking for help from somebody you know. You're never going to speak to me again. uh, Maybe our paths will cross down the road, but uh, I'm not going to remember that you called me. So reach out to someone and ask for help. If you're, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling depressed, if you feel overwhelmed, if you're not sleeping, if you're uh, losing your appetite, if you have any of the telltale signs of some sort of uh, mental health issue, reach out to someone you trust and ask them for help and they will, they will point you in the direction of a qualified professional to work with you. All right, John. So tell us about um your mission to return the practice of law to a noble profession. What's that all about? Sounds sounds lofty. Um and but it's true.
1: Back in the day, not too long ago actually, maybe maybe in my lifetime, lawyers were looked at as noble. They they were involved in their communities. They were good family people. They made a difference in their law firms and they did big things. And now lawyers are a punchline, right? We've all heard the jokes and lawyers are one of the only professions. I can, you know, physicians, I would also group in this, but we have the ability to make a difference in someone's life today, a material difference in someone's life today. And because we have that ability, I believe that what we do is noble. And, you know, people look at me like I'm crazy sometimes, because I have this, this kind of heart-centered thing with the law. It wasn't, wasn't my first career, and I wasn't sure that I was going to make it. And I wound up doing quite well and helping a lot of people. But it can take a toll. And so creating that balance between helping others and caring for yourself, I
0: think will naturally return law to the nobility that it it deserves. Okay. So John, why did you I, I understand that you have this mission and, and I'm I'm wondering if this plays into the answer to the next question. Why did you choose To work exclusively with attorneys, obviously you have an affinity, you know the practice of law and you know the challenges that lawyers face, but why do you work exclusively with attorneys? I work
1: exclusively with attorneys because I feel like they are my brothers and sisters. I do. Those are not just words to me. Um, And like I said, it started when I was in law school. I have a deep affinity for every single classmate that I had in law school everyone that I came across, and it's true to this day with any lawyer that I come across or any lawyer that's out there. It, you are important to me. You may not understand it. You may not believe it, but it's true. And I couldn't think of a better way to have impact in the world than to help lawyers on their paths. That's why I do what I do, because then it not only helps them but it helps their staffs it helps their clients it helps their families and it helps their communities when they show up in a more authentic full and successful way that's why lawyers there there was really no other choice for me
0: okay so um, you know I'm assuming you're only one person so you're so you're limited in who you can work with right there's only so many hours in the day and you try to you try to have your business now enable your lifestyle, so how do you choose who you decide to work with? I only work with people who I call
1: accomplished seekers, and well, who is that? An accomplished seeker is a lawyer who the world says is successful, but they know that there's something missing. There's another gear, or there's another level, or there's another challenge, and they are willing to have someone be completely honest with them i'll give you an example i was on a call with a potential client and i asked him what obstacles he saw getting in the way to his goals and he said none and i said well our telephone conversation is over and 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 his response was but why and i could have said i could have said a lot of things but i grew up in jersey and there's, there's kind of a, sometimes I don't have a filter. <laughs> and I said, well, because you're lying to me and you're lying to yourself. And he was just shocked that I would speak with him that way until I explained it and said, you know what? If there were no obstacles, you already have all that stuff. So I don't know what we're doing here. And then he stopped and he thought, and he came up with four or five obstacles and our conversation continued. You need to be willing to have someone who is one hundred percent honest and authentic with you. Look, I will never shame you. I will never should you. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm about. But I will call BS
0: what it needs to be called. Okay, so there there are other people out there who you and I both know who uh, who do what you do, who do what I do. There are other people out there who coach lawyers. And, you know, my philosophy on this has always been, look, there's a lid for every pot. And if you're going to work with somebody, you got to find someone who you have great confidence in, someone you can feel comfortable bearing your soul to, someone that you trust has your best interests at heart. Tell us what your criteria are for, uh, for selecting your clients and share with us how that makes you different from other people who do what you do. Sure
1: my criteria like I said you have to be an accomplished seeker you have to be willing to um, recognize that you don't have to have all the answers and you also have to be willing to do the work if 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 you come to me not willing to work then I'm not gonna work with you uh, because this all really depends on you um, you know you're you're a partner Um you're a a partner in a a larger law firm, you are a law firm owner, um, or you're a partner in even a smaller law firm. I mean, I've worked with everybody from True Solos up to partners in law firms with 30-plus partners, not attorneys, but partners. You have to be willing to recognize that you don't have all the answers. Um, As far as kind of what separates me from some others. I, I agree with you. Look, there, there's someone for everyone out there. I, I'm super comfortable. I'm super confident. I have good, close relationships with other coaches who coach in lawyer land in my space. There's not a problem with that. I don't have any issue. And I will tell you that if you come to me and I don't think we're a good fit, I will give you referrals to a couple other people because it's important that you're a fit with the person that you team up with. I think the other thing that separates me, well, there's a few things. I, again, I'm a lawyer. I practice law. I owned a law firm, so I get it. Um, another thing that separates me is that I work on the whole person. Right? There are people who work only on marketing. There are people who work on um, you know, business development, things like that. I work on the whole person because I believe, contrary to uh, the Apple TV show Severance, that we are simply one person there is no work person and home person we are one person and there's always a thread that goes from business to outside of business and from life into business there always is and so when i when i'm working with people they they can be quite surprised when i tell them that nothing is off the table everything's everything's there right bring it whatever whatever it is bring it and be 100% authentic. I think that's what separates me also.
0: okay so let's talk about you getting hired by your clients, right? when you're so when a client comes to you, first of all, what do how do most of your clients find you and then um, when they when they do find you, what's your process for making sure that this person, you gave us the criteria, but making sure that this person is going to get the most out of our relationship with you. Cause I, you know, you're a good person. You want them to be successful. You're not just looking for somebody to pay you and never call you. Right. So how do you find most of your clients? How do you, how do most of your clients come to you? And then how do you get them off to a good start? Well, I am a member
1: of, because I'm a lawyer, I'm a member of national organizations like the, the ABA, the AAJ. I was just at the uh, AAJ Conference in Seattle. I had a booth there. People come to me that way. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, podcasts, things like that. I'm a member of some networking groups, so they find me that way. And word of mouth, I ask my current clients to keep an eye out for people who they think might benefit from what it is that I bring to the table. So that's kind of how people can find me. And of course, I have a website, and it'll be in the show notes, so I'm sure... Um, that's how people find me. My process is very different. Um, and and people ask me, how does that business model work? When I tell them what the process is and here's the process. We'll start with a 30 minute conversation. I get to know you. You get to know me a little bit if you're comfortable. And I think there's a potential there. We'll set a conversation that lasts for up to two hours. It is complimentary. There is no charge to have you go through a coaching experience because it is important for you to know that you're comfortable with what it is that I do. And it's important for me to know that you are a good fit for me as well. There is absolutely no rush. I've had clients who I spoke with over months and that's okay. There's, because this is a, it's a big deal. What people come to me for it's a big deal. It's life changing, and they need to they need to be willing to buy the ticket to get on the ride. And that's the most important thing for me to make sure of.
0: Okay, John. So I'm going to ask you now to take a minute and think of three things. Three things that uh, the folks who are listening, the folks who are watching, can take away from our time together. While you're doing that, I'm going to let people know that. Folks, if you're if you're joining us today for the show, you can download your free business development guide. It's the same guide I use with my clients, and it's my gift to you for joining us today. Here's what you need to do: go to this website, revenue roadmapguide.com, revenue enter your contact info there. Once you do, you'll be given immediate access to download your free guide to business development for your professional practice. I customize it for my clients. You can follow the step-by-step guide in the Revenue Roadmap Guide to customize it for you and your firm. It's very, very easy. RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. Enter your contact info. Get your free business development plan today. I want to remind you that we're also brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Earlier in the show, you saw and you heard the Sandrowski Business Minute Sundrowski is a CPA firm with a different perspective. This means that they're focused on taking privately held businesses and families of wealth, high net worth families, high net worth individuals, and helping them reduce their tax exposure. They can also help you set up what's called a family office so that you can manage your investments in an efficient and effective way. They work with a lot of private equity firms to. Help the private equity firms make sure that the businesses they're buying or selling are properly valued. So if you want to connect with Sandrowski, here's what you need to do. Give him a call at 866-717-1607. That's 866-717-1607. My guest today is John Cormanic. He's a lawyer coach. If you want to reach out to him, his website is indeed in the show notes as well as his email address. But you can give him a call. He answers the phone. 208-352-7958. 208-352-7958 is his phone number. Okay, John, so give gave you a second to think about three things that folks should take away from our time together, what are they? Number one,
1: if you're a lawyer, you are an
0: entrepreneur,
1: you own a business, accept that fact. Number two, you are not alone in the struggles that you may be facing. And number three, it's okay, as a matter of fact, it's advised that you have members on your team who can help you get to the finish line, get to that goal that you want to get to, and set the next really big goal for you to achieve.
0: That's great. You know, John, one thing we didn't touch on that I, I do want to touch on now before we go is I want to talk about you know, goals and kind of exit strategy, right? I mean if you wanna if you wanna baffle a room full of lawyers, walk in and go, hey guys, hey women, how does this end for you? What's your plan for how this ends? And the one person who's really honest in that room full of people will raise her hand and she'll say, I will die slumped over at my desk. Thanks for asking. <laughs> right. So, what do we do yes. with an exit strategy? So, you're a, you're a lawyer, right? What's how do you how do you how do you talk to a lawyer about an exit strategy? What do they do? Right. That's the
1: thing, right? We don't like to think. Lawyers don't necessarily like to think that far ahead, and we all think that we're going to just die slumped over at our desk, and that's a terrible, terrible thing. I've had uh, I've had colleagues who've done that, uh, and it's it's a sad thing for me to to have experienced or observed that, not experienced it, but observed it. It kind of goes back to you own a business. And so look out in the world at how businesses transition. Whether they just kind of close up shop as the custom tailor that was a block away from my office just did 52 years in business, Hmm. just closed up shop, and it left a hole in the community. But that was the decision that they made. Do you want to just close up shop and then go and live a different life? That's fine. But if you own a business, the other exit strategy is to run it like a business so that you can sell it like a business. And I think that when we talk about creating wealth in the world, you can own a business, which is a way to create wealth, monetary wealth. And if you want to do that, then you really have to set your business up for sale. And there are many ways and many professionals out there who can help you do that
0: all righty folks if you want to reach out to john what you need to do is go down to the show notes look at his email address click on it or call 208-352-7958 208-352-7958 john it was a pleasure having you on the show today thanks so much for joining us
1: dave thank you for having me i appreciate you man
0: all righty folks that'll do it for this episode of the inside bs show my name is dave lorenzo until tomorrow I hope you make a great living and live a great life.